hearts, Lord, that we can go forth and do your work for your kingdom, that we would be able to do greater things as you multiply the giving. And I ask, God, that you give back a hundredfold for everybody that gives today, that you would bless them beyond measure today, and they would know that it was because that they brought the the storehouse to you, Father God. So we thank you, and we just praise your name. In Jesus' name we say amen. Amen. We'd like to welcome our pastor here who has a great, great word. He's going to feed us well today. So I'll hand it over to Pastor John. I got my mic, so I'm good. Thanks, Vicki. Turn it off. Okay. Well, Happy New Year. You guys doing well? Um, I... I feel like a lost puppy every time my wife uh, travels. She's in Baton Rouge. She, we had to switch realtors and be praying that her house going into this new year sells. But um, so she's she's been gone, and I'm watching all of our kids, and it's it's been wonderful. But I always feel lost. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? What do I do with my kids? And but it's it's been fun. It's been fun hanging out with with my little ones through this season. Um, our kids are at camp right now. We've got 25 uh, kids at camp, and so uh, be praying for them. They come back later today. They, you know, there's something amazing that happens as from, from when we're real little and we experience God's spirit touching us and pulling on our heart. Um, it's great to see that happen. So our kids are at camp, and they'll be back later today, but be praying for them. And then uh, next week, we're starting a brand new series. And in your bulletin, you've got a little flyer for it. If you wouldn't mind, pull it out for me, and let's just look at it together. It's called Mine, Mine, Mine. And um, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but we have a tendency to hold on to our stuff, to hoard, to keep everything. And we're going to learn through this series, we're going to learn to let go and just be a little more free and have open hands. Um, And we're going to look at this idea of stewardship from a biblical perspective. So we're going to be diving into this issue over the next three or four weeks. It'll be fun. But um, we print these so that you can invite a friend or a coworker on the journey, maybe a neighbor that um, is interested. Maybe they visited the church with you over over, uh, Christmas time. Uh, This would be a great invitation to invite them in the next step for their journey. Um, So today... We're doing part two of this little mini-series, just two weeks long. Next week we'll start that other series, but talking about the best year ever. What, what does it look like? Last week we talked about having open hands, open hands with giving and serving. And today I want to talk about exactly what do we do with our open hands? What do we do? How does God want to use us in our community? And one of my thoughts today is what if every single one of us We said we want one hand in the life of the church, in community, where we're totally connected to each other, we're encouraging one another, we're calling out the best in each other's lives and hearts, we are uh, healthy together, we're running towards Jesus together, we have radical discipleship, we're calling out the best in each other, we are developing intimacy with God as we be focused together. So if we have one hand constantly in saying, God, we want to know what you're doing. We want to hear your voice. We want to know you in a deep and profound way. And then we have that open hand towards the community. And then the other hand, what if, what if this whole year we said, this other hand is reaching towards the lost and disenfranchised in the world. 
where we would say, whoever God puts in front of me, I'm willing to follow the nudges of God's spirit to see whatever God's doing in their life and heart and partnering with God's spirit to see their lives change. Where we offer radical acceptance to whoever, to all, radical acceptance of God's kingdom. We are empowered by God's spirit. We are praying for people in the public square. We're just following Jesus. What if this year, every single one of us just said yes to God? To whatever God was doing? And I want you to know, like, sometimes that we get, preachers put a lot of pressure on people, don't we? Right? But what if, guys, it was as simple as saying yes? Just for whatever God's speaking to you to do, you just were given, it was just simply yes. And all the stuff that preachers and teachers put on, it was just, what is God asking you to do? What does that look like? What if you use your gifts and your spiritual gifts and your talents to better and move the kingdom of God forward through the power of the Spirit? So what if this year we all just said, yes? What if? So Mark Buntaini was a missionary to India. He got off the plane, and he's... He had already visited India several times, but he knew that he was called to go to India long term. So he gets off the plane, he's walking around Calcutta, India, and he's completely overwhelmed. So much poverty, so many needs. Everybody around, it looked like everybody was hungry, and everybody needed something. And he's, he's just like completely overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? You're overwhelmed by all the needs of everything. And he thinks he's walking. He finds himself walking down this alleyway. And he's thinking, God, what do I do? There's just so much need. Everybody that I, everybody looks to me like oh, they, they need something. What do I do? Why did you call me to India? I don't understand this. And so he's kind of, he's having this come to Jesus moment where he's saying, what do I do? Why am I here? What am I for? What do, where, how do I even begin? And he's walking down this alleyway, and as he's walking down, there's apartments over here, and there's businesses over here. People are throwing their trash out the windows uh, in this alleyway. It's just absolutely disgusting, filled with garbage as far as you could see. And he's walking down this alleyway praying, and he hears a faint cry from an infant. And so... He starts trying to find exactly where that sound is coming from. And all of a sudden, he narrows it down to this one spot, and he starts to pull away the trash. And he digs down six inches, eight inches, and there's this piece of cardboard. And he lifts up this piece of cardboard, and there's this little baby girl that had been thrown away. And he picks up this little girl into his hands and it's almost like the, the cry, what do I do here in India was instantly answered. He's looking at this baby girl and he takes her to the authorities and gets it situated. Uh, he helps in the whole adoption agency issue and um, he gives this baby over and he brings this baby back to the United States to a family in Missouri. And he gives this baby over to this new family that had just been thrown away like a piece of trash. And 
The reason why I know this story is because the girl that was found in 19, uh, 1970s, mid-1970s, is one of my friends from college. Her name's Ruth, little Ruthie. She was thrown away as a baby. And there she is being adopted. Because at the core of every orphan, and you can say the heart-stopping cry of little baby Ruth is something that says, I just want to be in a family. I just want to be in a family. And I, can't, I couldn't imagine Ruth's parents as they brought her into their arms and took her home. Walking over to her, they probably picked up her frail little body, looked her in the eye and said, you are part of a family. Welcome home. You can come live with us, experience our love, experience our life, experience everything that God has for you. What if we simply said yes this year to whatever God put in front of us? If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke. And um, I I don't know if you're familiar with the book of Luke. Um, Many people call it Luke slash Acts, Luke Acts. The reason why is it's really one book in two parts. You have uh, the author, his name's Luke. You have the same recipient for both of these books. And so really we just, we want to call it, it's the gospel of Luke slash Acts, okay, Luke Acts. And um, the gospel of Luke Acts, it throws out before all of us and for all the last 2,000 years this idea, this unhindered kingdom of God moving forward that is victorious. This kingdom of God is moving victoriously in the world today. Um, it's almost like I, I look at it like a like the kingdom train. Does anybody like trains? I don't know, ever since I was a little kid, like for some reason I love trains. I, then I rode on one across the country and I didn't like it so much. But there's something about a train that has always just fascinated me. And so, um, but, but I, I liken the, the gospel of, of Luke Acts to this, uh, it's this gospel train that's moving forward. And it doesn't matter what's going to get in the way of this thing, it's going to move forward no matter what. And so it's going to go to the ends of the earth, and people are going to experience love and God's grace no matter what. The kingdoms to come, Get in the train or get out of the way because it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman or black or white or man, woman, child, Jew or Gentile, rich or poor. It doesn't matter. Get in or get out of the way. The kingdom's come. The railroad track's been laid. So what, John, explain that. What do you mean? Uh, well, let's just look at a couple texts from Luke Acts. So um, here is Luke 3, 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And listen to this. Here's the the king, Jesus and the kingdom of God that Jesus brought breaking into the world. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain shall be made low. The crooked road shall be made straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. Guys, this is the unhindered, upside-down kingdom compared to all the kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of God that's going to break down every single barrier that is put in front of it. You know what? If there's a valley, guess what? It's just going to be filled in. If there's a 
If there's a mountain, it's just going to be chopped off. If there's a crooked road, it's just going to be made straight. If there's rough ways, it's going to be made smooth. And so you get this glimpse of this, the kingdom of God victoriously moving about the world. And anything that gets in the way is just going to be made low. So, and you're going to get these little glimpses all the way through Luke and Acts that are like this victorious, and there's persecution all the way through Luke and Acts, right? There's all kinds of other things, but you also see the other side of the coin. This is a victorious march of God's church moving forward. So here is, here's, you're going to see these little one-liners all the way through Luke Acts, and they look like this. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. There it goes, like, whoa, it's, it's just expanding spontaneously. And a large number of priests, priests, some of the hardest people that you could ever reach, became obedient to faith. This is the kingdom train moving, overcoming, moving victoriously in our world. Um, and so you see these little moments all the way through. And I want to go all the way to the very end of Luke Acts. And here's what it is. Um, here's Acts 28, verse 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul, the Apostle Paul, stays, stays there in Rome at, in his own rented house and welcomed, welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. End of the book of Acts. For Luke, Rome was the ends of the earth. It's as far as one could imagine if you lived in the area of Israel. Like all the way over there in Rome? Are you serious? Paul is all the way over there. The gospel has been going forth, reaching people. So for Luke, Rome symbolized the ends of the earth. Paul, the apostle Paul that had been chained Many times, thrown in prison, guess what? He's not chained, he's not in prison, he's a free agent. Sharing about the kingdom of God, he's unhindered in all ways. You guys, God's story's on the move. The kingdom train is moving forward, unhindered, propelled, driven, pushing, uh, pushed forward by God's heart to reach people. God's heart to reach people. God created us to participate in God's master plan. To partner with God to see the kingdom advancing in this world unhindered throughout creation. And we experience, what do we experience? We experience freedom and life and love and God's grace and goodness. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are about eternal plan. The community of God is coming to rescue orphaned humanity. God's entering the adoption agency of humanity and giving a home to all who are crying out, like Ruth. To all who are crying out. Guys, we're created for a mission. We're created for a mission. Um, is anybody, I'm a big Apple fan in multiple ways, so I love physical apples, but I also am like a Mac Apple computer guy. Um, and let me tell you, um, Steve Jobs, a little story. And actually, we wouldn't have Apple computers today if it wasn't for what happened in the story that I'm going to share with you. Uh, so when Apple computers fell in rough times early on, um, Apple's young chairman, Stephen Jobs, he flew to, from Silicon Valley to New York City. And 
Stephen Jobs wanted to convince one of Pepsi's executives to join his team. And his name is uh, Scully, John Scully. He wanted John Scully to move from New York out west and to help his struggling company. Well, Scully, they meet at Scully's Manhattan penthouse, and they have this discussion. And Scully declined the offer right away. He's like, there's no way I'm moving out west. Are you kidding? And um, Scully said this, you'd have to give me a million dollar salary, a million dollar bonus, and a million dollar severance. And that was a lot of money back then. It still is, right? And he was kind of joking. He was like, you can't do this. I, I don't, I, I, you can't do anything. Stephen Jobs gulped and said, oh, okay, I'll do it. He's like, no, I was just joking. I don't want to move out west. And um, Scully agreed to be a consultant from New York. And then Stephen Jobs said this. Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water? Is that what your life is going to be? Working for Pepsi your whole life? Don't you want to change the world? And as soon as he said that, something in Scully's heart like shifted. Like, what am I doing? I'm selling sugared water. Are you kidding me? In Scully's autobiography, it's called Odyssey, he admits that uh, Jobs' challenge to his heart literally knocked the wind out of him in that moment. And guess what? He moved west. And now we have Apple products and Apple phones and Apple watches and everything else. Guys, many of us, and many of the church, I think the church as a whole, sometimes we're just doing our own thing. We're selling sugared water. We're just spinning our wheels. We're doing... Whatever. We just keep ourselves busy doing whatever. But God is asking us to partner with his spirit, to jump into his mission, to reach orphaned humanity and change the world. Literally change the world. Because you were created for a mission. You're designed and called by God to carry on the mission of God. We're called to participate arm in arm, hand in hand with Jesus as he acts missionally in the world today as the gospel train moves forward in victory. So what does our mission look like? What does that look like? It looks like a mission to all who are crying out, like Ruth. It looks like a mission to all who are grieving and sad and need to be told that there's hope. It looks like like grace being offered to people that are just living in a graceless society. It looks like love being offered to people that need to experience the love, the profound love of Jesus. It looks like salvation for people's lives and hearts. It looks like hope. Well, you know, that's what Jesus did on his earthly mission. Everywhere he went, he just offered grace, hope, love. And he offered inclusion into a brand new family. So in Luke 5, from the synagogue, Jesus jumped, he goes onto the streets. And as he's, he meets this leper as he's walking, somebody with a horrible skin disease. And as he meets this leper, do you know what Jesus does? He reaches out and touches this leper. 
a mission in his heart that he cannot, I, I mean, according to society and the, the priests and the teachers of the, the day, they would say, he's unclean, you can't touch that man. They would have been revolted by the thought, and yet Jesus has a mission in his heart, he can't help but reach his arm out and show compassion and inclusion in a brand new family. You have in Luke 7, there's a woman that's a sinner. This woman, she cries all over Jesus. And the religious critique of the situation is expressed in thoughts of pride and disdain. And they're thinking, if Jesus knew who this woman was, he would never allow her to touch him. So much pride, so much arrogance. And guess what? Jesus defends her. A mission in his heart. Jesus defends her and says, you are forgiven. And then he welcomes her into his community. When the religious elite are like, no way, you can't do that. As a group of children run up to Christ, the, disip the, the disciples attempt to stop them. And in Luke 18, 15, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Because this is more than a story of Jesus being nice to kids. It, is, it goes way beyond that. You know what this is a story of? This is a story of a whole group 2,000 years ago that were isolated, that were set aside, that, was, that had no rights, being welcomed into God's community. A whole group. They were used to being pushed aside, but yet Jesus had space for them and a family for them. Jesus affirms these kids, and he says, come experience my life, experience my love, experience community, experience grace. Um, what if we said yes? What if we said yes to Jesus this year? Uh, there's a lady named Marianne Bird, and her teacher said yes um, several decades ago. But Marianne Bird, she was a foster care kid. She grew up um, knowing that she was different because she grew up with a cleft palate. And um, so she's not only a foster care kid, she has this cleft palate. And um, when she started school, all of her classmates made it really clear that how they looked at her, because she had a misshapen lip and a crooked nose and crooked teeth, garbled speech. So when her classmates asked her, what happened to your lips? Um, she would always, at least when she was younger, she would lie about it. She would say that she fell and cut herself on a piece of glass. And she said that simply because that seemed in her brain more acceptable than being born with this deformity. And so she was convinced that no one could ever love her. Absolutely convinced. And along came her second grade teacher, Mrs. Leonard. Mrs. Leonard was short and round and happy as can be. And uh, annually they had a hearing test. This is near kind of halfway through the year. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everybody in class. And when it was Mary's turn, everybody kind of knew what to do because they had done this every year. And you'd stand against the door 
and then you'd cover one ear. This is a long time ago. You'd cover one ear, and the teacher would whisper something, and you'd repeat it back. Things like, I like your new shirt, or the sky is blue. And so Mary gets her turn, and she's standing up against the door, and Mrs. Leonard says, actually, this is Mary. Let me tell you what Mary said. Mary said, this is Mary writing years later. She said, I waited for those words that God must have put in her mouth. Those seven words changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said, I wish she were my little girl. You guys, God wants to restore and set things right, just like Mrs. Leonard. What if we said yes to God this year? What if we just said yes? God has invited us to enter in and do the exact same thing, just like Miss Leonard, to set things right that are broken in the world. God's mission is something we can do if we're willing to ask the Holy Spirit for help. If we're saying we can't do this on our own, we don't lean into ourselves, but we lean into Jesus and his movement this year. Because Jesus fulfilled God's mission in the world by going after the unclean and the orphans. To offer inclusion into a family. He dealt head on with isolation and loneliness, intent on restoring community and relationships with his creation. I mean, think about what what God has offered to us as a relationship with like the creator of the world. How amazing. So hear the heart of God today. I don't know where you're at. Um, I don't know where your thoughts are um, about how you've heard the gospel before, but hear the heart of God declaring that God is not afraid of your uncleanness. God's not afraid of my uncleanness or the uncleanness of this world. God is all about reaching humanity that is busted and broken and messed up. What if we just said yes this year? What if we said yes? You guys, the cross was the fitting climax to what Jesus had been doing all along. Reaching out, touching the unclean. The fitting climax to it all. When the priests and the religious elite said, you can't do that. You can't touch the unclean. And yet Jesus, it's the fitting climax. Being put onto a cross. Paying. For what he did, just by reaching out to people. Loving people. Um, And just, I want to share one of my stories from my kids. Um, You know, anytime I share a story with my kids, I always ask them ahead of time especially as they get older now. Um, But I asked Creed earlier today, I said, Creed, can I share a story when you were about two years old? Um, I don't know about you, but if you have kids, my kids love to wear my shoes. I I have no idea why, but they love to wear my shoes, right? So uh, Creed was probably just uh, almost two years old, and he, out of all my kids, would wear my shoes more than, like he'd just stomp around the house with my shoes on. I'd tell him, go get your shoes, Creed. And he would go get my shoes, like, over and over again. Well, one night, I went in to tuck him in bed. And I was supposed to pray with him, but I was a little bit late. And I found Creed snuggled in his bed. And he had one of my shoes, this is no joke, 
He had one of my shoes right here. His pillow was right here, and my shoe was right here. And all I could think of is, my shoe, yuck! Are you kidding me? And I thought, oh my gosh, it's the cutest thing in the world! Both, I mean, right, in the, and, and so he's like snuggling my, my stinky shoe right by his nose, and I, I mean, I'm, I, I was like, like I said, mortified and thrilled <laughs> all in one. But um, what if this year we were willing to follow in Jesus' footsteps? I mean, Jesus set a precedent when he came. I mean, he was willing to reach out to whoever was in front of him. Those who were so isolated, those who were cut off from all of society, he was willing to reach out and touch the leper. He was willing to work with this lady that had a horrible reputation in the community. And her life was turned around. And the religious leaders made him pay for that, right? But what if we took on Jesus' mission? And guess what? Just like my shoe, it, it might stink a little bit every once in a while. You might have to pray for a homeless person that hasn't showered in a couple weeks. Because you have that little nudge of God's spirit and you have to just follow it and say yes. It might stink a little bit because, well, you, you, you have something that holds onto your heart really tightly and God calls you to just give it away. And you're like, ah. Or it might stink a little bit when you have to, you're on your own timeline and God's calling you to pray for a coworker in the break room on the way home and you're like, but I have to hit the road because if I don't hit the road right now, I'm going to be stuck for an extra hour. But what if this year we said yes? What if, God? What if you said yes to those little nudges of God's spirit? And let's be the hands and feet of Jesus to a disenfranchised world, to orphaned humanity. So I have one last story for you. And I believe that this is a prophetic message to the church. And there's no picture. Next week, oh. There's two slides that just didn't show up. I don't know why. Um, well, it's a picture of a sailboat. Just imagine a really old sailboat from almost 400 years ago. About 375 years ago, a ship landed on the northeast coast of America. And they started establishing their town. So year one, they established their little, their little town. Year two, they elected a government. Year three the town planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Okay? So the elected government made plans to build a road going into the wilderness five miles. Year four, the people tried to impeach their own government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles going west. Now what's so ironic with this story is that they had a vision to see 3,000 miles across the sea. But only a few year, years later, they could not even see five miles down outside of their town. They couldn't see it anymore. They were content. The church is a lot like the settlement. 
We find Christ. We sail across an ocean of pain and bondage. We step into freedom and faith. Once willing to do anything for Christ, now we find ourselves comfortable in our dry homes, standing still, unwilling to move. But, but God's kingdom, but God's unhindered, that gospel kingdom train that's moving forward to the ends of the earth calls you to jump on board. To jump on board with God's mission in this next year. To reach orphan humanity. To break down walls. To move and reach people like never before. Because we walk with a God who does not labor alone in the world. Jesus calls us to participate in his earthly mission. This year, let's all just say yes to God. I think that's a prerequisite, right? We just said yes. Not to the pastors, not to preachers. What if we just said yes to God? Let's participate hand in hand with God, redeeming creation, partnering with God's spirit, loving, serving our community with these open hands. One hand in the community of faith and one hand constantly reaching out to everybody who will hear, anybody that will listen. What if we actually saw people this year? Um... I was going, I was walking out of Albertsons, and I saw a person that was leaving, and I said, hi. And most of the time, you either get two responses. You either get um, a nod or, like, hi back, right? Well, this person, you know what they said to me? They said, huh, thanks for seeing me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I wonder if we live in a society where people just, they, they aren't seen. We're like, we're running past each other each and every day, and people just want to be seen. We're here, right? What if we see people? What if we love people? What if we have open hands? Now, beyond, so this last year we did some awesome stuff, guys. We adopted a school. We're going to keep moving in that direction. We're, we've adopted extra in school, and we're going to keep pushing into that. We've done Helping Hands. By the way, Helping Hands is next week. Go, let's go serve the poor together. Um, we have a food pantry. We're going to keep doing that. We have a fund called Making Ends Meet. We're going to keep doing that. But beyond those things, we want to keep moving forward. We want to be about the mission of God in our community, in the San Gabriel Valley. So we want to do, and we already budgeted it, we want to do a spring festival very similar to our fall festival. Right, like just a little bit before Easter. And we want to reach a, a thousand kids this year. A thousand kids just come in and having a free event where it costs them nothing and it's the best party that we could throw our, our community. What if, guys? Actually, we're not, it's not a what if. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to have a spring festival. And we are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus during that event. We're just going to like love on families and kids. We're going to, just like Jesus, willing to pay attention to a little one. We can just be just like that. Um, this next year, if the big one hits, if there's a major catastrophe in, in, in the San Gabriel Valley or in the greater L.A. area, I want us to be ready to the best of our ability, and we'll never be fully ready, but once you're safe, 
I want everybody, you safe and your family safe, you meet at the church and we will make a plan to reach and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. So you get situated, you make sure that you're safe, you get everything around you safe, your literal neighbors are safe, and then you meet at church and we'll make a plan to reach our community, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to reach orphaned humanity in their time of need, okay? Um, this year we want to run a, a thing called Alpha, which is an introduction to the faith. And we just want to have as much space as we can for people who are asking questions, who are trying to figure out their relationship and connection with God. This year, I want to encourage you that the number one way that the church does mission is through, through all the members, right? And we want to encourage you this year, and we'll be talking about how to do this, but I want to encourage you to throw block parties this year. Just to have a party and you invite all your neighbors around you. You've got eight, if you live in a traditional like home, you've got like eight neighbors. You've got three in front of you, two inside, and three behind you. We just want you to invite them on that journey. Like invite them over to your home. Barbecue and have a great meal and, and hang out together. And just get to know your neighbors. And guess what? In a moment of crisis, they'll show up on your door. Guaranteed. If you're that neighbor that just cares just cares. I've had neighbors like uh, like one lady, she literally fell into my arms weeping and I'm like, hi, I didn't even know what to do. And, and Kate was there and we prayed for her for an hour and we just said, we nursed her back to health. We were just there for her because we threw a party in the past and just loved on our neighbors and then they just show up. It's crazy. If you're the hands and feet of Jesus, we will change this city this year. Not only San Dimas, the whole Sangerville Valley will be changed. What if we said yes this year? Let me give you a couple practical tips today. Number one, jump into God's mission in the world. Reaching orphaned humanity. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. Love and serve our community. What if we saw people this year? What if you actually saw people this year? Look for God in the middle of life, tears, and work. Realizing, and this is maybe the most important thing, that God's already at work. God's already there, and guess what? We get to just say yes to what God's already doing. God's already ministering, and we get to like be the hands and feet of Jesus in that situation, okay? So that's the first one. Jump into that mission. I love it, because... Like, there's something so good, like, the, your faith becomes more alive as you just partner with God's Spirit in just the littlest of areas. Number two, your gifts and, and I, I've said this one in, like, five different ways so far in the last four months, five months. Um, but your gifts and talents are different from one another. This itself is a gift. Use your gifts to see God's kingdom move forward. Don't put pressure on others to do the same thing as you. They are uniquely made. So you have spiritual gifts that, own, that, are, that are for you, that God's given you. Use your gifts. So, so much of the church, we do this thing called gift projection. So we think, well, if I have the gift of hospitality, that must mean every Christian has the gift of hospitality. It's not true. So what if you use your gifts to see God's kingdom move forward? Whatever God's given you, the gifts that you have, just use that. Just use that, okay? 
And don't put pressure on other people to respond and do just like you because that's how we pick each other apart. What if we honored the uniqueness of God's body? That's what Paul talks about the analogy of the body, saying the hand needs the foot, that needs the ear, that needs all, all the body parts, right? Number three, as you invite friends, neighbors, co-workers to the kingdom life, let God's kingdom speak for itself. You never, you will never convince somebody to enter the kingdom of God. I've tried doing that before. You must, don't you get, don't you see what I see? Yeah, come on. It never, it never works, does it? Do you know what does work? Living by example, having a space for people to ask questions, listening to the voice of God's spirit, praying for somebody in that moment of need, and then you throw out an invitation. Uh, you know, the kingdom of God is like this, guys. It's like, for my kids, it's like a trampoline. Uh, my kids don't have to go to neighbor kids and say, guess what? Let me tell you how amazing this trampoline is. You should really play on this trampoline. It's going to be awesome. You can jump five feet in the air. You will, it'll be like the highlight of your day. No, the trampoline speaks for itself, right? A good party that you're going to throw for your neighbors. You just throw out the invitation. And it's up to them whether they receive that invitation or not. It's okay. Uh, uh, you don't have to convince somebody in the middle of the summer that pool water is nice and cool and refreshing. Do you? No, the pool speaks for itself. All you have to do is throw out the invitation. That's exactly like God's kingdom. God's kingdom speaks for itself. All you got to do once in a while, you're following those nudges of spirit and throw an invitation out once in a while. And it speaks for itself. Okay? Let's all stand. We're going to sing this last song. Why don't we have our prayer ministry team come on up? If you're here today and you need prayer, we would love to pray for you today. Uh, the prayer team met earlier. People that were praying for our service. There's a couple people that are probably here today that might fit into one of these categories. One is you feel either paralyzed or stuck and you just don't even know how to move forward. Like you think and you think, I want something new, and you don't know how. We'd love for you to get prayer. For some of you, you just need a new beginning. Today's the day to get some prayer. Uh, for some of you that are here, you're so broken inside over some, some stuff that's happened, and you think that you're unclean and that you would never be accepted by God. And you feel this weight over your life. Man, I want to encourage you to get some prayer today. God has your number. You're here for a purpose and a reason. God loves you and wants to restore you. Also, we feel like there's a couple people here that are in the middle of addiction and you realize it and yet you want to be set free and you don't know how. We're going to encourage you to get some prayer this morning. Also, if you're here and you have lower back pain, we'd love to pray for that. So, um, how about I just Pray, and we're going to sing a song. We'll have our official closing prayer in a minute. But Holy Spirit, come 
Lord, we're your people. Lord, we want to be captivated by your mission. And Lord, right now you want to touch and renew some of our lives here. So as we're receiving prayer, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Let heaven invade earth. Let's sing. If you need prayer, come right in the front.